When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So after a couple of days of waiting, we got the news out of Hallis Hall, as by now you are sure well aware. Matt Eberflus is going to return as head coach of the Chicago Bears. Luke Getze and the majority, if not all of the offensive staff, is out. The only real uncertainty is with Justin Fields. And the interesting part of this is we all heard the press conferences and depending on which side of the coin that you fall on, you either heard like, yep, Justin Fields is coming back or nope, they're taking Caleb Williams. Uh, So nobody really knows outside of those two guys who are on the podium today. Nobody knows quite exactly where the bears are going to be heading into the 2024 season. But to break it down for us uh, today, we're going to bring on Chase Daniel. But before we do that, Sammy, I got to ask you to start the show. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast with Adam Ray. Trying to cut it back. Justin Fields making magic happen. There goes Fields. Touchdown. The Sickest Chicago Bears and Fantasy Football Podcast. Sports entertainment like no other. It's going to be sick. It's Wednesday night. You know what that means. And it's time for Take It to the Rank. Huge show for you tonight with everything that is happening outside there at Hallis Hall. And I do want to let you know that Carmen Vitale will be joining us here at some point this evening. Oh, you know she's going to be crowing. Her Lions made the playoffs. Her Packers made the playoffs. And our Bears did not. So you know that she is flying high right now. The only thing that could be better is if her Vikings had made it as well. But we'll talk to her in a little bit, give her an opportunity to run some victory laps. But... As I said there in the open, the big news is what is going to happen with Justin Fields. Actually, it's more like big speculation. Uh, And to help break us down, we have a guy who is a quarterback at the University of Missouri in the 2000s. He was picked up as an undrafted free agent by the Washington football team in 2009. Uh, He retired this year after having played quarterback for Washington, the Saints, the Chiefs, the Eagles, the Bears, Lions, and most recently the L.A. Chargers. He's in his second season with the NFL Network manning the desk with Michael Yam for the Friday edition of Total Access, which was an absolute great show. Uh, one of my favorite shows of the week. And, of course, his YouTube series, The Chase Daniels Show, uh, already has millions of views, uh, a lot of subscribers. They, they're doing a great he, – he's doing a great job. Uh, and his most recent video was a breakdown, a year in review for Justin Fields, where he said, and I quote, Justin Fields is absolutely the guy to lead the Chicago Bears moving forward. So without further ado, let's bring on to the show my friend, our friend, Chase Daniel. Chase, how are you? Hey, good, man. Good. I'm glad I can uh, finally be on your sick podcast, man. The Open. Sammy, you did a heck of a job with that Open, man. That is awesome. Good job on the cold Open, man. And and uh, yeah, look, we go, uh, we go way back, really, to last year when... Yeah. I was on um, total access or total access or no, it was the Monday night after it was a game show. day. Yeah, yeah. It was a game game day final. On game Monday. day final. And yes, all these different shows. And you were <laughs> able to teach me the way. I was so it was my first <laughs> studio show. I was still playing, 
yeah. uh, with the Chargers during the time, which was an interesting dynamic. We had a good time. So see you in the halls every once in a while at NFL Network. So I appreciate you guys having me on. It's really fun to be here. No, and I, I really loved it. I loved uh, the game day final. It was a lot of fun. I think one of the things that was most impressive was how well you took to the Telestrator, uh, it, the video board and all that stuff, which is very difficult to do. I don't think people, I think everybody who watches TV is like, I could do that, but it's very difficult and you made it look so easy. Uh, so I was envious of you to not only be, you know, one of the best quarterbacks in the world, you know, you're playing on the professional level. You come out there and you do the TV job. You're doing great again. And it's, and it's good. And I, and I, listen, I would consider you a friend too. I, I really, I, cause I know that we would run into each other every Friday. I would, we'd be done uh, wrapping the fantasy show when you'd be coming in for total access. And we'd always talk about Justin Fields and, you know, and all that stuff. And I know that you've always remained positive about him and, and without giving up too much of what we would talk about during those times, um, you've always been a pro Justin guy. And so your latest, your year in review, you're talking about why he should be the quarterback of the bears moving forward. Why do you, I watched the video and you pinpointed what you did. If you haven't checked this out, go to check, go to youtube.com. You should subscribe to his channel. It's the chase Daniel show. He does breakdowns of all quarterbacks, but he's done a lot with uh, Justin Fields and the Chicago bears. You took one play from every game this season, uh, yeah. kind of a, as a way to illustrate why he is the quarterback of the future. Why, but overall, why is, why, why should the bears stick with him? Well, yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, I was pretty much on Justin being the guy since really after that Chiefs game early in the season, week three. I thought the whole offense, Justin didn't play well. And then he showed some signs, those back-to-back -back four touchdown games, got hurt the Minnesota game. And then obviously, you know, Tyson Bajan experience happened and then finished off the year really strong. Um for me, when I actually went back, because I, because you know, this took a lot. It took a lot of work. Like people don't understand. Like I have a video library, and I went back, and I just wanted to make sure that I mm. was seeing throughout the the weeks what I was actually seeing, and and it was, and and that to me was a lot of growth within the game, right? His internal clock, his processing, all that sped up, and not in a bad way. I thought he was able to see the see the game and see the field really well as the season progressed. And honestly, you want your quarterback to be going like this, right? You don't want him to be going down. You want him to be going up. And I just thought his ceiling throughout the entire season just kept rising and or raising. And the thing that's interesting that that I don't know if a lot of people had heard, but but I had likened before the season, before the season even began, the jump from year two to three, I was hoping for a jump like Jalen Hurts yeah. for Justin Fields because they're not the, they're not the same quarterback. Justin's a way better runner. I think Jalen has a little bit more passing prowess in terms of accuracy, arm talent. However, being in the system and seeing what he could do in year two of Getze, um, who obviously you know got fired today, I was hoping for that kind of jump. And then when you start the season and you look at really you break back down, just the, the beginning of the season seems like so long. Oh yeah, but you actually break down the just the film. Forget all the media. Forget all the positives. Forget all the negatives, the naysayers, the the pro Justin, and just really just focus in on the film, which I did. Like the offense just. It wasn't good. And because it was an under center play action style offense, which is good, but that is not who Justin Fields is. That's not who he wants to be. He needs to be in the shotgun 
um, with a chance to run the ball, give them half-field progressions. If you want to do under-center play action, that's fine. Keep it to one side of the field. Say, hey, Justin, read one, two, take off. And I think he just really progressed within that offense, which I thought Getsy got a lot better as the season went on. Yeah. And obviously the run game started going. The injury didn't help because I think those back-to-back four touchdown games and then the Minnesota game, how it started the first half, wasn't great because they were pressuring them a lot. Um, I just thought he showed – I mean, probably from the start of the season to the end of the season, I would say he would be the – uh, number one quarterback in terms of growth throughout the season. Like, I just really think it was a different player. And now I think that's why this decision that Ryan Poles has is not an easy one. And they have to replace the offensive coordinator. That's going to probably tell you a sign of, are they thinking Justin? Are they thinking taking a quarterback at one? I mean, all these things, they're keeping Eber. I mean, it's just like little hints at the puzzle, right? Like, it's going to be talking about this until the draft time. And it's just such a fascinating player to me. And I just think that, you know, if you move on from him, that's fine. Like, I want them, personally, because I think Justin can be special. I want them to keep him. I don't want him to trade. Okay? What do I think they're going to do? I think they're probably going to take a quarterback. They're probably going to trade Justin. But I just, I've I've told this to a few people, and I want to say it on here as well. Are you going to be okay in Chicago if week six of next year, Justin's not the quarterback and he's quarterbacking the, the Las Vegas Raiders, the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Atlanta Falcons, because let's let's just be crystal clear. The dude has proven he can play and be a top 15 type quarterback. He is going to be starting somewhere and someone's going to be really yeah. happy to have him. Yeah. Um, if he's balling out in just say Vegas and they're four and two and he has a ton of pass yards rush, and they're building the offense around him. He has Devontae Adams. They have, Josh Jacobs, they have that other guy. Like, are you as a Chicago fan going to be okay with it when you're babysitting a rookie quarterback and you see the success that he has on a team that has brought everything around to field Justin in? I'm just saying that's what you have to think like because that's what Ryan Poles is thinking. Is it worth restarting the clock over? And honestly, he has a really tough decision. Yeah, and they, I, I, I know. It feels like everybody who's ever played Madden and has a Madden franchise always loves the reset the clock. Like, Oh, let's reset the clock. Like it's so simple. Like it, like the quarterback that they're going to draft is going to be automatic, which I don't believe that it's going to be. I likened it to the situation. The chargers were in many years ago. And I know that he was your teammate. No, he wasn't. He, I don't think you, I don't think you crossed paths with Phillip rivers, but the chargers had drew Brees and LaDainian Tomlinson and they draft Eli Manning, which of course they flipped for Phillip rivers. Had they just stuck, and I don't know, drafted Larry Fitzgerald. I think they would have been better off. I've talked to Ladanian Tomlinson about this many a time. And he's like, Ray, quit bringing this up. I don't like that you, I don't like that you always like to talk about this, this topic. But to me, it's very, it, it, it's pertinent because again, I think that we have the pieces, especially if you can start flipping that number one overall selection uh, for more quarterbacks or for more pieces around him, be it the offensive line of a, a, a number one wide receiver. I didn't want to go back to something that you said though about his progression this season. One of the knocks on Justin Fields is that he can't read defenses. So as a former, I guess, yeah, former quarterback uh, who studies this, can Justin read a defense? From your from your perception of watching the tape, is Justin able to read the field? Yeah, I think he is. I, I think that, um, look, I've been around a lot of quarterbacks to be unnamed that are, are, are really good at what they do. Um, through my 14 years, seven teams, a lot of different guys. 
And I think the the misconception about reading a field um, is so different because there's it's not just on every single play. It's like, hey, you have to read the defense. You have to make sure it's cover four if you're going to this side. You got to make sure it's cover three if you're going to this side. You got a man beater to alert it. That's just not that's just not the case nowadays in football. There's what you call pure progression reads, which is a lot more quarterbacks are loving these pure progression reads. You just sweep the board, go left to right, right to left, or you just give quarterbacks half field reads. And I think that when and there's there's multiple others, but it will stop at, the, at that. I think that when Justin and and Getzy mainly started giving Justin less to think about at the line, I thought he started playing better. Yeah. Not all quarterbacks that I've ever been a part of have to control mic points and mic IDs and controlling the offensive line, getting to the right run. Sometimes you like these plays, as we call in the quarterback room, like plays off. Like, give me a playoff. Give me a just a hand it off. Every offensive coordinator wants to be like, hey, you got to read the end on this RPO, and then you got to read the nickel, and then if it's too high, like, no. Just give me an inside zone and give my mind a break where I don't have to do anything for a couple plays. And I think that Getzy did that, and I think it showed. I mean, everyone understood, and, and, and not understood, but saw, like when Justin – quote unquote, was calling out the coaching staff at house. Yeah. I, I didn't take it like that. I took it as like, stop giving me so dang much to think about. So I don't, I can just play free. And when I think he sort of shed that weight off and just started playing free, you started seeing the player he could be. No, and it, it's true. And it, they talked about it today too. If we can pull up what Matt Eberflew said about uh, Justin Fields during his press conference. Sammy, do we have that that uh, that that sound from him from the coach? Uh, just piggyback of what what uh, Ryan said about Justin. You know, we love where Justin is right now. He's done a good job growing. Um, you know, in the interceptions, you know, keeping those down. You know, the sack totals. He's doing a good job with that. You know, having his eyes down the field. Uh, he's done a wonderful job with that. You know, being able to uh, deliver some strikes down there, and he'll continue to grow um, as we grow this football team. Uh, again, going back to what I was saying off the top, people hearing what they want to hear, that to me sounds like a coach that wouldn't mind if Justin Fields is coming back. Yeah, I mean, look, I I I was with Eber for um, that. I, I should point out, yeah, years. Eber Flus was on the Missouri staff when you were there playing. He quarterback. was the D coordinator. He helped recruit me, and so I, you know, personally, just for me and his his whole life and family, like personally, like I'm glad that he's coming back because I think he did show enough down the stretch, especially as a defensive play caller. You could say probably the last seven, six games of the year, they were a top and I've looked at numbers top six to eight defense, which is excellent. Yeah. Okay. You got to, you got to make some changes on the offensive side of the football. Obviously Luke gets you fired today, but you got to get um, a better offensive line, regardless of who your quarterback is. You got to get a yeah. better offensive line play, better center. Get a yeah. better center. The snaps have been an issue all year long and you got to get a really legit number two um, behind DJ Moore because DJ Moore is a baller. Like yeah. he is an absolute certified baller. I love watching him play. Love how they got him connected to the offense the last few weeks of the year. But yeah, I mean, look, I think that, and this is being in a locker room and being in a quarterback room and being in team meeting rooms this time of a year for teams that aren't in the playoffs, unfortunately the bears, you know, made a, made a run at it, but just yeah. fell too short. From this point on until the Bears are on the clock, I don't know if you can take 
anything, uh, but with a grain of salt from what Eber says, what Poles says, what because it, it's all it's all a show. It's yeah. all a dog and pony show because they obviously they don't want to give up what they're going to do, and there's going to be so many reports and leaks and all. And so I just think that what I can what I can like say like for sure is the film justifies keeping Justin Fields. Now, now rank, like I know maybe you don't agree on this, but if the bears were not picking number one, even if they were picking three, yeah. this would not be talked. That's, about but that's the thing. That's what I, all. that's what I say. Like if they didn't have the number one overall pick from the Panthers and they're sitting at number nine, people would not be suggesting that you trade up to go get a quarterback. They would be like, Oh, you've got a quarterback. Like, so why now? Like, well, okay, fine. Then if we've got a quarterback, we got a quarterback. I, I think, and and my whole thing is like, I personally like Matt Eberflus, Mm -hmm. but I was saying that if you are drafting a quarterback, that it makes sense to just clean the slate, like wipe the slate clean, start with a brand new coach, brand new court, uh, coordinator, all that stuff and go that way. And speaking of coaching, uh, I saw this on Twitter today and Sammy, if we have this, um. Oh, the quarterbacks coach was out. Chase Daniel letting the world know that he's available. And now we add the added wrinkle that you and Flus have a history uh, going back. Is this an attractive job? Is this uh, is this something that you would want to do? I mean, look, I- I've always had an interest in coaching. Mm-hmm. And I always thought that, uh, and I still think that, I would be an excellent coach. Like you got to believe that you're going to yeah, do it. And I, I do think, I do think the bears situation is really attractive. A younger squad. They finally come on their own on defense. Um, you're either going to get to work with Justin or you're going to get to work with the number one pick at quarterback and sort of build that offense out. So um, I've definitely given it some thought. I've, I've, um, I've turned down a few interview requests um, for quarterback coaching jobs last year. Like right when I came out, because look, I I love my family, and yeah. my family sacrificed so much time. We have three kids: a six-year-old boy, two girls, three and two and a half, or three and a half, two and a half. And um, man, like it is just an insane life. Now it's better than college. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, like I spent a ton of time at the facility last two years. Uh, so I was living in San Diego. I was driving up to Costa Mesa where the chargers are, ba- are based out of the last two years. And you know, it's about an hour, 10 there, hour, That's, 20 the commute. Hours. Oh gosh. Even without traffic, it's like and an hour. Commute. Yeah. And so I spent during season, dude, last two years during season, I spent 10 hours a week with my kids. Yeah. And like, it'll be less. So Right now, probably not a good time. If a situation were to unfold that may be just too good to be turned down, I mean, I would definitely listen. Um, And yeah, I mean, that tweet went sort of crazy viral. Like it has over a million and a half views. I didn't think it'd go like that. And then Darren Olowski got into it uh, a a little bit and we were having fun with it. But um, look, I just think right now I'm pretty good doing the media stuff. Well, you do a great job of it, but I will tell you that the schools in Lake Forest are good. And you, you wouldn't have a commute like you had. You wouldn't yep. be living in San Diego, cruising up to Orange County. The kids would be living in the community with you, family friendly. There's a lot of cool things. I love that part of Illinois as well. And yeah, so uh, that's where I'm from too. So uh, it makes a lot of sense. 
before I let you go, let me get one let me get one other question to you because if Justin Fields does come back, or actually regardless, wherever just wherever Justin yeah. plays football next season, he is going to be on his third offensive system and everybody talks about how difficult is that going from system to system. You obviously had to do it. How difficult will that be for Justin Fields? Um, I think there's a lot to be said about switching systems and I think it's all overblown. I think that at the end of the day, we're NFL guys, we're NFL players. And, um, of course we want to be comfortable and we want to be, but it, like, I don't think it's going to be that big of an issue. I really don't because I think whatever system, think about this for a second, whatever system Justin is in, whether it's Chicago mm-hmm. or somewhere else, that system he's shown that he's worthy enough for you to build the system around him. And so this system is going to be fully based on the skill set of Justin Fields. So there might be some things that he'll, he'll have saying that I don't want to do that. I I feel comfortable with this. I feel, so I think he's in a really good spot to sort of mold the offense, how he sees fit with an offensive coordinator of such. So I don't think it'll be that big of an issue. Yeah. I, I feel like it's just some talking point that everybody's got to throw out there. Like, Oh, he's going to be on a search. Okay, fine. Like whatever. Um, I think the bigger issues because they always talked about Jay Cutler, like, Oh, Jay Cutler played for so many different offensive coordinators, so many different systems. I'm like, well, I was probably trading Greg Olson. That was the biggest detriment more than any system change. It was trading Greg Olson for no reason at all. I think that's the kind of stuff. And if you put great players around him, these guys are going to be successful. So I guess before I let you go, uh, and I know that you said what you you were saying, like what you think you might do is different from what could happen. What would you do? Just bottom line, if you're in charge, you're sitting there, they hire you to be the quarterback's coach. You come in, you see your old buddy, Matt Eberflus. He's like, hey, what should we do at the quarterback position? What's your recommendation? I mean, my recommendation would be to keep Justin. And um, look, cor- drafting quarterbacks, we, we don't have to get into it. We don't have enough time. It's right. such a crapshoot. Like, look at Brock yeah. Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant, Brady. Like, I can go on and on about guys you don't get with the first pick. Now, it is a unique position. And I would say because you made, if I'm talking to Ryan Poles, because you made the decision to keep Eber, which I think is the yeah. right decision. I can go like, down. I, I, I'm down I, I would, yeah, I would um, say you need to keep Justin. Because if you imagine like like if if Eber doesn't get to the playoffs and show really good growth after this year, probably probably done. Yeah, rightfully so. The, the clock on coaching is insane. Like, what have you done for me lately? So if you draft a quarterback at one, okay, and you put an offensive coordinator around him with Eber, and then it doesn't work out, and you fire Eber after year one, that number one pick has been through already two head coaches in about a yeah. ten month span and two offensive coordinators. So the growth stunning the growth on that i don't know it depends on the guy but that's probably the way i'd look at it yeah it's like uh connery and the untouchables you're like that's the chicago way uh that's the way they've been doing it so for me i was kind of like well if you're keeping eber i'm gonna start calling him eber instead of flus because i like the way you do that yeah <laughs> i feel like once you made the decision to keep eber flus and i'm with you i'm like you know what like i i kind of go i i get it like i understand yeah. the defense has been playing well and by the way that game against green bay the other day, I know that Jordan Love went out there and was uh, NFC offensive player. They still only scored seventeen points. 17. Don't don't yeah. act don't act like this team got like they, they gave up thirty or some insane number. Like the defense still played pretty well. They forced a I couple agree. of turnovers, uh, at least one turnover I can think of. I don't know. So 
I hope that they keep Justin Fields. And I know that you've been a big uh, proponent of him and it's always nice running into you uh, at the NFL network. And I really enjoy um, what you've been doing uh, this season. I thought the Friday edition of the total access was really good. And so uh, you're, you've been a big addition there. And if it doesn't work out in Chicago, I think we're going to be very happy to have you there in Inglewood uh, for the, for the long-term future. Uh, where else? So how can people follow you on the social media? It's the Chase Daniel show on YouTube. Where yeah. else can we find you? Twitter, I mean, X, whatever. I'm still going to forever call it Twitter. Chase Daniel, Instagram. Look, I, I think this year was a really was a really cool year for me just to sort of take a step back because I've been like nonstop busy and not only dive into fatherhood, which I'm, I'm, I'm very um, thankful to, to be able to take my kids to school every day and to, to make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and yeah. to just hang out with them. But I really wanted this year to be like a year – like a tryout year for me. Like, do I love doing the media stuff? Do I love doing the, the studio stuff? And the, and the answer is yeah. And yeah. so I think I've been using my social media stuff with these quarterback breakdowns have been so unique in a way. It's just such a niche, niche market. Like there's not a lot of people um, out there doing it and there's not a lot of 14 year pros doing it. So, yeah. I, and this is, this is crazy because People are like, well, you're so good at. I'm like, this is what I have literally done in quarterback meeting rooms my entire life. So yeah. now I'm able to not only get reps explaining it, but also show you what we're seeing and what they're talking about in a quarterback meeting room. So my Twitter, my Instagram, all that stuff is mainly this type of stuff. I'm I'm uh, pretty active on on Twitter. Um, but yeah, just Twitter, YouTube. I mean, yeah, give me a shout out, give me a like, subscribe, whatever you want. Um, yeah, we'll just keep growing this thing. We'll keep growing it. Hey, you can open the Chase Daniel Quarterback Academy there in San Diego. It's a hotbed of, of high school football. That'll get your coaching itch going and continue to do what you do with the NFL Network and, of course, you're the, the Chase Daniel Show on YouTube. Well, thank you so much. I'm glad we were able to get you on. You're welcome back as long as you're willing to just echo what I feel. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but I, boy, I, 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 I always, no, I value your opinion. So I really, I'm really glad we we're able to make this work. Hope we can do it again here in the near future. And, uh, and then I guess I'll probably just see you Friday. Yeah. Sounds good. Thanks for having me on, man. All right. Thanks so much, Chase. There he goes. The great Chase Daniel. I implore everybody uh, to go follow him on the social media handles. And of course, on YouTube, it is a great resource. And again, it's not just Justin Fields, but he knows. Oh, listen, he knows. He's like, God, he's like, we get a lot of clicks when we talk about I'm like, yeah, we're we're lunatics like that. But I uh, just want to also remind everybody that if you're going to be watching the games this weekend, the best place to watch games in the Chicagoland area, actually in the city of Chicago, is Game Room Chicago. It features billiards, shuffleboard, skee-ball, pop a shot, and so much more. And it's plenty of room to watch your favorite games. You can watch an entire super wild card weekend all three days at Game Room Chicago. And with a menu featuring Michelin star chef Mari Katsumura snack foods, there are beer towers, a weekend Bloody Mary bar, shareable signature cocktails, and so much more. Game Room Chicago is the place to be to watch all the games, and uh, it's warm. You don't have to be outside, and it's it's wonderful. It's in the uh, in in the historic Chicago Athletic Association Hotel, uh, right there in downtown Chicago, across from Millennium Park. All right, now welcoming uh, to the show, we want to bring her back as uh, as always. She's always here. Want to let everybody know, you know, uh, during the course of the season, we put out a lot of predictions. Carmen Vitali, pretty much spot on with everything that she said. So let's bring her on to the show. She didn't want to take a victory lap on Twitter or X or anything like that, but she can certainly take one here now. Uh, Carmen, how you living? 
Uh, I'm good. It's been really hectic uh, of a week because covering multiple teams that are in the playoffs, the team that's making coaching changes. Oh, there's a lot going on. Well, your two favorite teams made it, so you got to feel pretty good about that. I'm Kate. That looks like a Packers helmet behind you. Uh, I know it's it not. It's a Drake helmet. Also, I have this Chicago Bears vintage piggy bank that, that was given to me by a friend of mine. It's from I don't even know when, like the '60s. So I have yeah. that. I have Detroit, and I have Minnesota. So don't come for me. I've got a, I've got all yep. my teams. Repping everybody. I was wearing a Matt's t-shirt the other day. So I was repping Minnesota uh, as well recently. So everything. So Matt Eberflus is staying, which is what you predicted. By the way, like I was going through our predictions. You had the, did you have the, you had the Lions winning the division? If I remember this correctly, I had them as a playoff team, but you had them winning the division. You had the Packers being, I actually was one game off of the Packers. I had them winning eight games. Um, and Minnesota being where they were, I missed out on the bears, obviously, because what it's what I was doing. But again, like I, you tweeted this out the other day and I think it's very true. Like nobody, nobody will ever stop to say congratulations or say nice job or, Hey, great, great work with that. And they always just want to point out like, you got this wrong. Like, Hey, check this out. I predicted, uh, CJ Stroud should be the number one. Pick. Yeah. But you were the guy who said Cleveland. And so it's so maddening sometimes. So I want to, before we, before we talk about the bears, I do want to settle it down for just a second Mm -hmm. is that you were spot on with Detroit, uh, continuing their great work. Uh, you were, you were there with, with Jordan love and the Packers and the Vikings. And I know a lot of the Vikings problems were because of injuries. And of course with the bears about pumping the brakes, but the bears are where exactly where you said they were going to be. So as much fun as I like having teasing you about being a Packers fan or whatever, you are absolutely spot on, and that should not be overlooked. And while you will not take a victory lap, I will take a victory lap for you. So for everybody out there, listen, this is a, this is she works, she does this for a living. She's very smart, and this is why you should listen to her most of the time. No, this is why you should listen to her. Uh, so I and this is why we appreciate having you on the show. So thank you so much. Thank you for your patience with me. Uh, cause I'm a crazy person, but, uh, congratulations <laughs> to you. Not that you need congratulations, but great job. I just want to acknowledge that. No, um, I mean, like, I appreciate that. I do. Yeah. No, it's, it's my job though. So this is, this is not, this is not by accident necessarily, which is why I said I didn't necessarily want to go on the victory lap. My point in quote tweeting and what I did on social media was just to show that even the most mundane things that we as journalists do get this incredible visceral reaction out of people and it's it it wears on you sometimes so it was just a reminder that we can disagree but we can be respectful about it i think you and i have done a really good job of that on this show and i can transfer to twitter you don't have to jump down people's throats for doing their jobs so that was the only point of the tweet i sent out but the opinions i have aren't just my own either i mean this is countless hours of talking to coaches and sources I have in the league of NFL evaluators. And then, yeah, my own experiences with watching guys play in person and also having this kind of high level view of all four of these teams, which I think helps in being a little bit more objective and comparing and contrasting what teams are doing right and wrong. So that's where this all comes from. And I'm just, I'm just doing my job guys. I promise I'm not, I don't hate your team. Uh, I'm just trying to be objective and call it like I see it. That's, that's, that's kind of what I'm trying to do. So I appreciate that. It's unnecessary, but I really do appreciate it because we don't really get our flowers when we're, when we're right. No, it is, it is absolutely necessary. So I wanted to make sure that we pointed that out. Um, Green Bay is going to the playoffs. Detroit's going to be playing host to a game. Those are very exciting things, but the bears 
are the topic of conversation here. As expected by you, uh, Matt Eberflus is retained. It's interesting because I don't know when you jumped in on when I was talking with Chase, but mm-hmm. the the press conference today was so it, it was so amazing because everybody listened to the the words. And then if you're like me and you think that we should keep Justin Fields, you're like, oh, see, they're keeping him. And then everybody who thinks that they should move on, we're like, see, listen, they're moving on. Uh, what was your takeaway from this? What do you think? Again, I know that science behind it. Do you think that they tipped their hand either way from the press conference uh, that we hear today? No, not really, because I don't think they have a hand to tip right now. I don't think the decision is made. And that's that's what I garnered from the press conference. I When Ryan Pohl says he's in the information gathering mode, we have no reason to doubt that. He's used that phrase before and it ended up being true. So I, and plus the Bears don't have to make a decision. He was asked, Ryan Poles was asked directly on if they were going to pick up Justin Fields' fifth year option well into the press conference. And he was like, we got time to do that. And it's yeah. true. They do. I don't expect any news to come out about Justin Fields until at least the combine. And yeah. honestly, Ryan Poles said this is a process that could go all the way up until the draft. And the fact that he is comfortable hiring an offensive coordinator without knowing exactly what they're going to do at quarterback, it tells you a lot. It tells you, I like I said, I think that tells me that this decision truly isn't made yet. And I really liked what Ryan Poles said about yeah, when we bring these guys in for an interview for offensive coordinator, from my understanding from it was that they want someone to adapt to the personnel, whatever personnel that is. By having these guys go through options for different quarterbacks, different types yeah. of quarterbacks, that can tell you a lot about a candidate, especially if that is your priority of making sure that these guys can adapt to they can adapt their scheme and fit their personnel because that is one way of coaching. There is another way that has your system and you need your players in your system. That told me everything that I think I needed to know about the fact that this isn't done yet. There's no decision made on Justin Fields yet. And they are going to hire an offensive coordinator that can be flexible. So they can be flexible. That would be, that would absolutely make the most sense. And I think that anybody who would be going in there, not that Robert Canales is a candidate. I don't know why his name jumped ahead. Uh, that's, that's, it's actually why I was rooting against Tampa Bay on Sunday, because I'm like, I hope Canales, like, I hope Bull, like, I don't want Bulls to lose his job. But at the same time, like, well, if they swept that staff away, I think Canales would be a much sought after offensive coordinator. But looking back to last season, the, the DJ Moore trade, as it'll forever be known, was contemplated on March 10th. So we have a long way to go before we're going to get a read one way or the other. But would we be tipped off by an offensive court? Like if uh, Greg Roman, for instance, would you be like, oh, that's okay, like we see or anything like that? Do you Would, would that be something that would be telling? I think it could be. But at the same time, if you use the same example of Greg Roman, who had so much success with Lamar Jackson in Baltimore and would seemingly fit Fields' skill set, yeah. Wouldn't he also fit Caleb Williams skill set? Yeah. I mean, there's there exactly like there are still again, it's it's about being flexible, I think, with the with the new offensive coordinator that's coming in. It's can you adapt to whoever we give you? And who what what plan I think maybe the plan that they would have for each individual scenario would come into play as to making that decision. Like if they had an overly good plan for developing a young quarterback versus a quarterback that needs to win right now, Mm -hmm. maybe that sways them a little bit more. But I think that 
given the fact that Justin Fields and Caleb Williams do have similar skill sets, it might not tip us off as much as we would like. And I really think that they're going to try to remain very mum about what they're going to do with Justin Fields up until they actually make the move. I will tell you, though, uh, based on the interview that we just had, if Chase Daniel ends up being the quarterback coach for the Chicago Bears, I think that would be a very telling sign uh, that they're going to do that. And I, it's funny because when Chase tweeted that out today, you know, we retweeted it. We had a little bit of fun and he yeah. was, but then when I was putting together the open for the show, and I'm sorry, I didn't get back to, I, I was spending so much time preparing for Chase Daniel. I overlooked okay. you. So I apologize. But I think like, yeah, I figured like, we're going to be talking about what happened today. I was, I was like, oh my God, I forgot. Like he and Eberflus go back. Like that was his guy at Missouri. That was mm -hmm. the defensive coordinator. I'm like, oh, there could be something there. Do you think the Bears would benefit? Because the guy that they had, Eddie Djokovic or Jan whatever, I feel like if- Andrew Janoko? Janoko. <laughs> when, I, when I see CJ Stroud on the sideline in Houston, he's talking to a former quarterback a former well-known quarterback. You're like, oh yeah, there's a guy that I recognize from playing football. Should the bears go that route? Like whoever the quarterback, whoever the quarterback is, I feel because when Chase did, I'm like, yeah, we need a quarterback. Let be it. And it's not going to be Chase probably. It's not going to be Jay Cutler, but I feel like they need a quarterback or at least one that I could recognize to be on the sideline. Well, yeah, whether that's in the capacity of quarterbacks coach or offensive coordinator. Quarterback we've coach, seen, yeah. yeah, we've seen, though, a lot of success with former quarterbacks that have become offensive coordinators or even head coaches. I get to watch one every week in Kevin O'Connell. Yeah. And that I attribute so much of the fact that the Vikings stayed afloat once Kirk Cousins went down with the fact that Kevin O'Connell is a former quarterback and was walking these guys through each play telling them what to check into, telling them what to read, telling them where their their hot their hot routes were up until the headset cut off on every play. He was playing live action Madden uh, in these games and he was able to do so and relate to these guys so immediately because he had played the position. Even in Detroit, you have Dan Campbell's staff, which is made up of a majority of former players. There is nothing, there's no substitute for having a guy that has been in those same trenches as you have quite literally, in able, and being able to relate to your players and teach them that way. We heard Matt Eberflus say that the biggest thing he's looking for in an offensive coordinator, I have to imagine that goes to quarterbacks coach as well, is being yeah. a good teacher. So if you have the experience to fall back on and you have the means and the delivery with which to teach it, uh, that would be an ideal situ situation for any team, and especially the Chicago Bears, who either way are going to be developing their quarterback to some extent. No, for sure. And I, I don't know. I just like seeing Mark Brunel on the sideline. I'm like, you know what? That makes a lot of sense. And KOC, <laughs> KOC knows what it's like dealing with guys who are not good because he played at San Diego State. So he he knows what it's like to be outmanned and still be very successful. He was good. He was a good college kid. It was a good no. That's not a shot, love. Listen, I I'm an ass. I'm an Aztec guy. It wasn't I, a shot at San Diego State. It was a little no, bit of a shot at San Diego State. Not even a little bit. Like I listen. When Brady Hoke left for Michigan, I was like, this is such a mistake. I know he's going home to Michigan, but you're never going to have it better than you have at San Diego State because you have an opportunity to be a, a top of the a, an upper echelon Mountain West team. And nope, he had to go to Michigan. And do his thing, and it failed, and they had to come back to San Diego State. Uh, keep that 
Because after Rocky, wait, was he after Rocky Long or is Rocky Long the coach now? I don't know. I get confused now. I have kids now, so I kind of get college football sorts of sort of falls off. I love listen, I'm I'm so jealous of the Aztecs because they kept their football team, Cal State Fullerton, my alma mater did not. And their basketball teams amazing. Like their basketball team is in the final four. Like it's crazy. It's a yeah. such a good school, yeah, no, such a great sports program. Um, and so I'm sure Kevin O'Connell is very proud of that. But speaking of the job, okay. So speaking of offensive coordinator and all this stuff, you do hear people say, like, well, I don't think this is a very attractive job. I would push back mm-hmm. on anybody that's been tweeting that out today because for a couple of reasons that you mentioned and Chase mentioned this as well. Regardless of whether this is a short-term thing, I think the NFL is NFL, not for long, the old Jerry Glanville. Mm-hmm. You're going to be working with either Justin Fields or the number one overall pick in the draft. I think this is a very attractive job. Like, I don't think they're going to have any problem finding an offensive coordinator. Do you? No, and according to Matt Eberflus, their phones are blowing up already for these coordinator positions. I don't necessarily think that it's going to be a hard position to fill, but it is kind of a limiting situation where where and when I say that I mean the candidate pool is a little bit limited as to who you can get not only for the fact that there's not a lot of stability um but there is going to be a compensation aspect to this and the willingness that the McCaskies have to spend money on these positions and I think that that also went into the decision to retain Matt Eberflus these guys are staring down a a build a, a, a stadium build in the near future and I think yeah. that that really makes a difference when it comes to how much money they're willing to spend and commit to a head coach, coordinators, all the way down. And I really think that this job is going to belong to somebody who has something to prove. That can absolutely work out. And you do, you're right, you have the opportunity to work with either a very dynamic playmaker that has a very specific and unique skill set in Justin Fields or the number one pick in the draft, who is a draft that is highly touted as one of the best quarterback classes in years. So there are pros and cons to this position entirely, but I think that you are choosing from a smaller pool of candidates than you would be, say, if the head coach was safe. And if you knew what you were doing at quarterback and maybe you were willing to spend a little bit more money, that's there's going to be limitations to your candidate pool. You know, I I do believe that that, the pay is the biggest equation right there. And because I think like even Canales last year, when he left Seattle, he goes to Tampa Bay, which couldn't have been like an easy situation for him. Like that, there was nothing stable about that job. You know, like Todd Bowles could have been on the hot seat or just kind of was on the hot seat um, given everything that had happened. And perhaps they were going to hit the reset button at some point. I really wonder with Kevin Warren there now trying to build a new stadium, if they will start to spend more money, in these other areas. We have not seen the tangible evidence that they will, except that Ian Cunningham was an assistant GM who filled the spot that they had never filled before. They just never had it. So maybe they're starting to modernize right. a little bit. And at some point you're gonna be like, you guys, we're going to, you're gonna have to pay a little bit of money. Like you, you're going to have to spend a little bit to get somebody. One of the names that gets tossed around a, a lot, because for obvious reasons, their relationship in Indianapolis and everything, Frank Reich is Frank mm-hmm. Reich is, it, I don't you talk to people around the league. Is he, do people just assume like, not that there would be any tangible evidence, but like, is it just kind of like, does he figure to be in the mix for this offensive coordinator position? I think he could be. And I, but, and I also think that he's not getting exactly a fair shake for how good of a coach he is. That's, we talk okay, all that, the time about how we think people, that, 
Like we talk all the time about people that are really good coordinators that don't make good head coaches. And the fact of the matter is Frank Reich was a good head coach for quite some time, (laughs) but he's always been a good coordinator. He's developed quarterbacks. He's called plays before, which I think is something that you really, ideally you want an experienced offensive coordinator because you have a defensive head coach on the bears. I think there's absolutely a call to be made there to a guy like Frank Reich, to a guy like Greg Roman, who we were just talking about. Ideally, you're going to get experience at that position because that's not something you had with Luke Getze, and you don't necessarily want to roll the dice on that again. But if you do, you have to get someone with a track record in any capacity of developing quarterbacks. That's what the Bucs did with Dave Canales because he had Geno Smith, you know, the resurgence of Geno Smith under his belt. If you can find a situation like that, or you find a guy that has called plays before, that's your best case scenario. Yeah. A couple of things I need to apologize. If I referred to Dave Canales as Robert Canales, I apologize because Robert Canales used to work with me at NFL Pop Properties years ago. So I often get that confused. So if I did that, I apologize. It is Dave. I don't think you did. Uh, I don't know if you Okay, said. good. I, I think I actually, I think I chickened out and just called him Canales because I know that I make that mistake a lot. So I've okay. chickened out in my, in my, in my old age. And I also, I, I apologize to you. I didn't mean to seem obtuse when referring to Frank Reich because I've had to resist the temptation to battle Chicago. Like I, I, there's only so many fights I can have with Chicago Twitter. You know what I'm saying? Like, and Frank oh, Reich, trust is, me, I know Frank Reich is not one that I wanted to get into, but I've known him since not that we're friends or anything. It's not like chase and I, but like, we're not friends, but I knew him when he was in San Diego. And I really mm-hmm. liked him. And I thought that he was a great coach and he's a great guy. And I honestly believe that he's gotten two, like he's walked into two teams where you like, you have owners who will just be impetuous and will do and or petulant or whatever the proper vernacular That's is. Great point. Who are like, okay, like Indian app, like that wasn't fair, first of all. And especially with all the quarterbacks they had to go through. And then David Tepper gave him a month to get that situation rectified like i would not right. hold that against him at all and i think we would be very blessed to end up with frank reich that, that was actually like i was kind of shocked there are people like frank reich's trending on twitter and so i'm like okay cool like people are probably behind this like hey and then no they were going the other way. i'm like you guys like i just sometimes i want to i want to be your friend everybody but i can't like i can't get down with that i would i think the dream scenario for me and, and thinking of like all this like like with like Jim Caldwell would be the offensive coordinator and Frank Reich, like going back to the point that I was making about having a former quarterback who we saw play football on the sideline as the quarterback's coach. I would love that. And if he's the offensive coordinator, that's fine. Quarterback's coach for me would be even better, but I might be getting too greedy. And again, it comes down to your point about like, are the bears paying for that? You're like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the point. That's the one. That's the unfortunate thing. But, um, so I think that there, I so putting putting to bed everything that happened in week 18. And of course, you wanted to end the season uh, knocking off the Packers, keeping them from the playoffs. That didn't happen. Now that you can start stepping away from that after today's press conference, I felt a little bit better, too. I think the Bears, like even though they didn't exceed, they didn't match the expectation I put up to them with 12 wins. That's understandable because they're never going to they were never going to do that. I feel like it was still like not a bad season. Like, I feel like we're still going in the right direction. 
that was my whole point earlier in the season too, was we need to adjust our expectations for this team. They are in year two of a rebuild. And by the end of this season, they are now still right on track provided that you can make this quarterback decision and make the right one. Uh, but defensively you saw tangible improvement. I don't care if it came against, you know, worse teams. It's hard to win in the NFL and it's not something the yeah. bears were able to do earlier in the season. So you get the addition of Montez Sweat. Everything kind of like clicks into place and this puzzle seems complete, at least on the defensive side of the ball. Mm. And you more than double your win total. There are so few teams in this league that can go from literal worst record. Let's not forget the Bears had a three win season last year to going to the playoffs the next year or having 12 wins. That was always why I pushed back on you was just because it's, it's, almost unprecedented and to have that turnaround isn't realistic and I do believe that when Matt Eberflus and Ryan Poles took over they were like this is a three-year process and you need to give us that and I think that that and that was always my reasoning for why I thought Matt Eberflus was going to be back especially how the defense performed down the stretch yeah you don't want to get rid of that and we know we heard a lot of it in the press conference today you don't want to get rid of that continuity you don't want to just blow everything up all the time do i think it was the right move to retain eberflus especially if you don't retain justin fields and and do all this kind of stuff i i I don't know that's not for me to say my predictions are based solely on what i think is going to happen right right right. and this this is different enough with kevin warren involved and with them having the first overall pick but not having a first overall pick roster which I think speaks to the unique situation that they're in, that this could end up being different enough of a situation that they're not repeating the cycle from John Fox, Matt Nagy, and and all the quarterbacks in between and all that kind of stuff. So it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's not up to me, but this is what we thought was going to happen. And I think that this season was for all intents and purposes, a good season for year two of a massive rebuild. Yeah, and it and it's so true because I agree with you. And I know everybody's like, ups, and I and I even made jokes about this, like, oh, like same old bears, like, hey, Kevin Harlan, three years from now, will be like Caleb Williams is on his third coordinator in Chicago. And I, I I can't resist making those jokes. But at the same time, you know, we keep talking about the Bears being the same old organization. They really they still have the opportunity to buck that trend by yeah. not drafting the quarterback. And if Carolina had just won two extra games and the bears were sitting there at number three or number four, we wouldn't even be having a discussion. Nobody would be like, well, the bears have to trade up. They'd be like, no, nah, just stay where you are. Take Marvin Harrison jr. And be on your way. And even then, even if the bears didn't have, cause if the bears didn't have the number one overall pick, nobody would be suggesting to trade out or trade up for number one, right? Like that. They would just be like, Oh, I just pick, Pick best available at number nine and go out. I don't. Right? I don't know. I don't know that no one would be suggesting that. I don't know that well, no one yeah. would be suggesting that. I think that you, like the thing is, I don't. I you have you seen enough out of Justin Fields to be confident in giving him a forty to fifty million dollar contract because that's where we're They're headed. Not, that's, two, that's two. Years, I, I can't that's, say that's, that. That's, that's two years from now. Like, it we is. don't have to worry about that. It is. But yes, we you can do. Get, it's, 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 we the can G, it's the GM's job to think two to three years in advance, and especially. When you have a t- when you have a team that is in the middle of figuring out how to build a stadium that's going to be a multi year project that's going to require a lot of capital and a lot of liquid money, the, the, the thing people don't understand, I feel like too, about these quarterback contracts. Yes, it's forty to fifty million dollars a year, but that rarely ever happens as a cap hit, right? Yeah. In order to not have a forty to fifty million dollar cap hit, 
you have to be liquid enough to make a lot of that contract into a bonus, into a signing bonus, which means you need to provide a lot of cash up front. And that's coming down the tube in like two years, right when you would be building this stadium. That has to factor into all of this. So I can't say for sure that they wouldn't be considering resetting the quarterback clock for financial reasons with all of this coming down the pipe. And that's kind of been my whole thing too, is that it's not just, do you believe in Justin Fields? It's, do you believe in Justin Fields enough to risk having to pay him 40 to $50 million when you have all this other money, when you could have a guy that for all intents and purposes could be a very similar quarterback, maybe not that much different than who Justin Fields is, hopefully better if you do end up drafting him and have him on a team controlled contract for up to five years. That's what goes into this decision. And I think that you're right. Maybe we would not be hearing this conversation as heavily. But if if you drafted Caleb Williams and he was great, you would still have to pay him when a stadium yes, was being built. In, like right, in, five, in, in, in five years, yes. But you're not you're but you're 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 not risking that necessarily right now because you don't have to think about that in like until in until five years from now or three three realistically three to four years from now. Um it, it gives you more leeway to make sure that you have the guy before you know that you have to pay him. That's the biggest thing. And this is a really unique situation where it's a really good quarterback class right now. And you have a roster that's really good. The bears have a very good roster. This number one overall pick is not entering into a hopeless situation. Like Bryce young was in Carolina. He's going to be set up for success. And that's not something the bears have been able to say when they've had this high of a pick. So it's just a really unique situation. I, I agree with all that, but if you have Matt Eberflus is on a one year, basically a one year deal to prove it, you go into next season and you're like, okay, well that didn't work out. Cause if the bears next year falter and they finish with five wins or something like that, well, then you're going to fire Eberflus. Right. If you have Justin Fields, you'd be like, well, we're not, we're going to, we're not going to pick, we're not going to pay you this money or whatever we're going to do. We're going to end up drafting a quarterback. You have to you make that decision this year though. You well, have you to make that decision this year. I would be willing to risk the fifth year option on Justin Fields just to see what's happening. If you're, if you're bringing back Eberflus, you might as well. And then if it doesn't work out, then you can draft a quarterback in 2025. There's going to be, there's going to be quarterbacks available in 2025, 2026. And then you, because you've stockpiled so many picks, because if you trade out of number one, you will end up in a situation like we are right now, where you have two first round picks next year, maybe two first round picks in 2026. It does give you more leeway and it does give you more opportunity. I think you'll be able to, you'll be able to play with the money. And if you're clever enough, you'll be able to figure this out. I just, I just look at the draft. Cause I was just going through and just like looking. Cause like for me, it's Caleb Williams. And if you want to say, if Caleb Williams ends up being that great that you have to go with them, that's fine. But when you start talking about the other guys in this class, like, um, Drake may like, I, 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 I can't, I cannot get down with him. Cause I was just looking through, like, if we look back through the last decade of quarterbacks, the, the prototypical, the prototypical, you know, quarterback, uh, the all, you know, the, the, the prototypical of quarterback, you know what I'm saying? Like this year it was Will Levis who went to the second round two years ago it was Kenny Pickett. Then it was Trevor Lawrence. The only year that it was really good was Burrow and Herbert, but then you got Daniel Jones. There was a Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold year, Mitch Trubisky, Jared Goff, Carson Wentz, Marcus. Marcus Mariota, and the year before that was Blake Bortles. These guys will always be available to you. So I say that you've got Justin, and then you just roll with it, 
and you see what happens. And if it's a disaster next year, we'll probably have two first round picks and we start over, but at least the head coach will be new. And we're not putting a, we're not putting Caleb Williams in a situation where he's playing for a lame duck. Well, there is an option too of not picking up Justin Fields fifth year option. And if you do think that Matt Eberflus is entering into a lame duck year, you cannot pick up Justin's option. And then you can absolutely start over in 2025 scot-free. You just, you're just going to risk losing out would on. You, so the way would, that I heard you, you and Chase, I heard you and Chase talking about, I heard you and Chase yeah. talking about Justin Fields. If he goes somewhere and he lights up the league, right? How you yeah. risk that if you trade him. Well, what if you t- pass on Caleb Williams and he is CJ Stroud? What if he lights up the league? And you guys are starting over in 2025. This, well, like either way, there is a risk. You have to admit that there is a risk. But if so just, it's just it, it depends on what Ryan Poles deems the risk worth taking. No, that is very true. I would say that the only the only um, insurance against that, if Caleb Williams went somewhere and lit it up, and Marvin Harrison Jr. is the next Randy Moss you can be like, well, I mean, we have Marvin Harrison Jr. And we're going to draft a quarterback again. I think as long as you're not missing out on your draft picks, that's what makes the like the thing with Darnell Wright so so good is uh, he's he played pretty well down the stretch. We passed on Jalen Carter, who's fantastic. Like Jalen Carter is a phenomenal player. But at the same time, Dexter's played really well. The defensive side of the ball has been, we found some guys that play defensively. You know, we missed out on the Chase Claypool thing, but Tyreek Stevenson, to me, is better than Joey Porter Jr. So, and that's where I really love Ryan Poles is like, he's done a pretty good job of drafting players. And outside of the Chase Claypool deal, nothing has really been up like, this is atrocious. Like, this is a bad deal. So I, I think that if we pass up on Caleb, who would go to Washington and he becomes Sonny Jurgensen, if Marvin Harrison Jr. is Randy Moss, I'll be like, that's ah, okay. Like we'll figure it out. We'll we'll find a way. My only pushback on that, my only pushback on that though, is that the quarterback position is massively more important. And missing out on a quarterback is different than missing out on a wide receiver or whatever. And if you do trust polls and his evaluation and the way that he can draft players, why wouldn't you put the quarterback position in his hands to draft a new one? And that that to me, I think I, it's a bigger deal to miss out on Caleb Williams than if Justin Fields because also there's a there's there's a scenario where they do trade Justin. Justin ends up being good, but you take Caleb Williams and he also is good. And in that case, you can feel good about it. You can feel good about everything or vice versa. If you do keep Justin Fields and all, and he ends up lighting up the league this year because it finally clicks for him. And then yeah. you miss Caleb Williams and he goes up. Sure. There that, that can work too, but you're taking a risk either way and you just have to figure out what risk in the long term what can you what risk mitigates the damage in the long term and like what's yeah. the less risky situation in the long term and that you, is up for Ryan Poles's you know whatever his priorities are and what if you keep Justin Fields and he plays well and he's like you know he's that level with the other guys in the division with cousins and love and goth and he's good and then Caleb Williams becomes Ryan Leaf then you're like ah See, we crisis averted Um, because I don't think that the CJ Stroud thing is too. I I, I know people have been trying to come at us like that. Like, well, outside of me, nobody was putting CJ Stroud above Bryce Young. Like nobody was doing that. Um, I, 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 
I don't know. I still feel like building around. I because I feel okay, if if you draft Marvin Harrison Jr. and it doesn't work out for Justin Fields and Eberflus loses his job, well then the next quarterback that's coming in as a rookie is coming into a situation where he has DJ Moore and Marvin Harrison Jr. and that guy's going to hit the ground running. Whereas opposed, Caleb Williams is not going to have Marvin Harrison Jr. Although we could end up with another good guy. We could end up with a kid from Washington. It's very interesting. Like I. I feel, and this is why I wish, this is why when we talk with Braggs too, like I would, I wish this is why people weren't as mad. Like I wish Bear Twitter wasn't right. as upset about this because like, these are all like very tangible, like winnable situations. There's, there's multiple good situations. There's multiple great ways this can hang out or this could end up. And I think that a lot of it will end up coming down to Ryan Pohl sitting down with Caleb Williams at some point. And in interviewing him and you think about the work that he went through last year in getting Darnell, right. And it's funny because, um, I went back to look at my mock draft with a twist last year and, you know, was looking at like, Hey, here's what it's not a predictions piece. It's like, here's what teams should do. And I had Darnell Wright down. Like I had him below, uh, Paris, uh, the kid out of Ohio state, Paris Paris Johnson, Paris Johnson, Jr. No, no, Paris Campbell. Paris Campbell, excuse me. Yeah, and uh, and so I, I remember I wrote, I, I read this last night. He said, Darnell Wright's like, I didn't know too much about him until Brian Baldinger started talking him up. And now I love him. So whoever ends up with this guy is going to be stoked. And I think I had him going to Miami or something like that. So I feel like, I don't even know what my point was, but I feel like we're going to end up, we're going to end up okay. Like regardless of what it is, yeah. I think everybody should just. Like it's, it's fine. Right, oh, like, oh, no. oh wait, I remember. I re- sorry. I remember right. The objective was, is for the bears to get, be good. <laughs> well, no, it was, um, I was thinking about his, his workout, like Ryan Poles mm-hmm. put Darnell right through a workout, like really pushed mm-hmm. him. And so I really do believe that when it comes to Caleb Williams, they're really going to push him and they're going to prod yeah. him and they're going to see if he can handle it. And if he doesn't, he, I, I think it ends up being better for us. And if he does, then who knows? All right. Uh, Paris, John, yeah. thank or, you. or Drake may I'm, I, I have to, I have to throw Drake may in there too, though. Like, Stop with because the Drake I think they, No, because I think the Panthers, the Panthers are 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 being held accountable for CJ Stroud. So the Bears and whoever picks first is a, is accountable for the entire class. And Drake May is, I like I said, from everything that I'm hearing from other people, from NFL evaluators, the gap isn't as big as people think it is between Caleb Williams and Drake May. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying Caleb Williams isn't a no-brainer. Yeah. But you have to you have to think about Drake May too. And people are saying the difference between Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield weren't that big. They, every year, there's one guy. They got the white, the prototypical white guy comes into the league every year, and it's hit twice in the last decade. I would say Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert are the only ones where you're like that. Nah, they were really. I mean, Jared Goff maybe. Was, I guess. Well, Andrew Trevor was Lawrence. Yeah, yeah that, was, that wasn't Bortles, quite the last decade. Blake Bortles. It goes no. I, I literally, I just, I had someone today, uh, an NFL coach, right. assistant coach, tell me that Drake May is the next uh, Andrew Luck, which Drake I'm taking Bortles. with a grain of salt. Don't get me wrong, but he's he's the next Andrew Luck, is what I was oh. told. And I was like, geez, there'll be All another right. one. There'll be another one that comes up, just like it that we can draft in 2025. It is, I don't know. I just, again, hearing what I want to hear. And when Eberflus is up there, I'm like, well, let's just do it. Let's run it back. Like Getsy had to go. Like there was just, there was no way. Like, yeah, you're going to go. And what Chase was saying too, and, and this, and I don't want to blow Chase up, but he did allude to this. He did actually mention this on the show 
But every week we were talking, we'd always talk about the offense. He's like, what's going on with the offense? Cause he, he I would always see him and, um, early in the week and he'd be like, Hey, like what's going on? I haven't watched film yet. And then on Friday, he'd be like, what are they, what were they doing last week? And I'm like, I don't know, bro. Like I, your guess is as good as mine sometimes. But, um, but in any event, uh, I still think that it's positive. I think we're, we're in a pretty good position yeah. and we're doing whatever. Um, let me ask you before we go, I don't know if I want to end on this, but, uh, I think I will. I think green Bay beats the Cowboys this week. What am I off? Like, I know that the Packer cause Aaron Nagler was getting after me and I'm like, I pick when it comes to the playoffs, like during the regular season, I will do stuff like I'm just picking against the Packers for, for spite. I really like going through all these games and it sucked because I think Houston's going to win. And I think that the Packers are going to win. Those were my two upsets. Um, I think the Packers have a legit shot. I guess the Rams would be an upset too, but I think that the Packers have a legit yeah. shot. I, I think they do too. I, you know, I, listen, Dallas has played really well at home and I do think that these teams match up pretty well, but there's a guy by the name of Aaron, name of Aaron Jones that has been very involved in the last few weeks for the Green Bay Packers whose splits against the Cowboys are very, very good. Uh, if he is, his, if Aaron Jones is his normal self against Dallas, they're going to have all they can contend with where they've been struggling a little bit against the run this year. So I think that that is kind of a key for the Packers, but also Jordan Love is playing as good as anyone as any quarterback in the league right now, and it's incredible to see what he's been able to do with such yeah. a young unit and young receivers, and just elevate the play of those around him. And it's it, it's incredible to watch, um, and it would be a really cool story if the Packers went in there. I mean, this is this is a matchup too that has so much history into it, and, and you just you never there. know. Yeah, and Mike McCarthy is there, and it, it's like. How how much how familiar are the Packers still with my, what Mike McCarthy wants to do because he's calling plays again this year? Is that going to factor into it? I mean, Matt Lafleur has everything oh, to prove because Mike LaFleur McCarthy knows. was the one that got the Packers to the Super Bowl, like or won them of a Super Bowl. But then he hasn't been able to do that with Dallas. It's the script writers were really on one with this postseason yeah. in general. As someone who's had now had like yesterday, I wrote about. Goff for Stafford in Detroit, you know, hosting the first playoff game ever at Ford yeah. Field and then talking about all the Bears stuff today. And then I, I'm working on a Packers preview with our Cowboys writer, um, Dave Hellman, and we're going back and forth just about this matchup in general. I will be in Dallas for it. Yeah, it's going to be cool. incredible. So, yeah, I will I will be able to report next week back from whatever happens at AT&T. And I'm very much looking forward to that uh, press box spread because I hear it's oh, the best I in the league and I've never been. It's amazing. It is. Uh, it is really good. I will uh, either be crowing about being the only one who picked the Packers from our media group, or else we'll be laughing. I saw the Packers, Packers picked it up. Packers Twitter picked that up that you were picking the Packers. Oh, they did. I gotta go because I got I'm gonna go do a little meme with it. So, uh, uh, yeah, I know. Like, I felt bad for them. I'm like, oh, because they're gonna want to do that. Because like, they're gonna be. I go. I really put them in a bind. Because they want to be like, see, nobody believes it. Oh, the worst person. It's the worst person that you know actually makes a good point. It's that onion. Makes piece. a good point. Yeah, exactly. You're like, oh, when the worst person, when you agree with the worst person in the world. Because um, some of those guys, because as much as David Njoku doesn't like me, I'm pretty sure the Packers don't. I know they don't like me. And it's like Aaron Jones. Uh, as a, Like, I like Adam Driver. I hate Kylo Ren. And I'm sure that I would like Aaron Jones, the human being. But as a character on the Fox television show I I watched last week, I hate I hate him. 
But he's good. He's a good player. And so uh, he's a great Rob's player. Man. And he's a great leader. He's a great player. That's a very good player. He's a great player. Yeah. The sombrero plays like, okay, that's all fine. Um, he's but listen, I want to, I want to thank you for being here. Thanks for waiting around. I know you were backstage while we went a little long with Chase. That was Chase Daniels fault. He just kept talking I'm like, Hey, 10 minutes. I'm glad I said like, yeah. we might go 20 and he's going. And I'm like, dude, this guy won't stop. I'm like, I listen, <laughs> I, I do the same thing. Oh wait, hold on. We might have questions. If we're, oh my oh, God! Two right. comments. Let's... Sammy is getting upset at me. All right, Sammy, what do we got? Uh, oh, it's Carrie Franklin, of course. Uh, great point, Carmen, regarding the flexibility of the OC. <laughs> Thanks, nice Carrie. job in your predictions. Act next year, Adam will be right with the Bears winning twelve games. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna temper I it down. Hope to that's 10. true. I'm gonna temper it down to ten, Carrie. Oh, okay. No, I won't. Okay. Of course, I'm going twelve wins. I, I was saying maybe we can maybe we can meet in the middle at ten. Who knows? Maybe I. I, it's funny because, uh, looking at the games again, or looking at the, you know, we already know the opponents and I'm like, there's one, two, I'm like 12. Yeah, I got it. Um, again, but I always start with a baseline of like, we'll split with the opponents, which would be an upgrade from what the, actually we should have split with our opponents this year. Uh, we should have been three and three based on, we should have swept Detroit, uh, because we had a 98% win percentage with four minutes left to go in the game. That's, that's where that's where I don't take a total loss on the Bears because it would have been 10 wins, not 12. But I'm like, three games where they had a 90% chance of closing it out and you went 0-3? Unbelievable. But uh, good job. Yeah, all right. Listen, we gave her her flowers and she deserves it. Uh, how about one you more did. comment? I there? appreciate that. Uh, Dean, uh, Carmen <laughs> Lee. She does not. She doesn't care one way or the other. Carmen is a journalist. Right. That's the point. Reporting, who's reporting I am a journalist. I, and I will tell you this, Carmen, is, um, and I know this is because like you've often said, like you talk to people around the league. When we talk to fans and people who have a rooting interest for the Bears, it's like, keep Justin Fields. When you talk to people who build franchises, and whether it's Cynthia Freeland, uh, Daniel Jeremiah, or other people, because I got to name the obvious ones, but even other people, who uh, don't necessarily work at the NFL network, who I've talked to, they always say the same thing as you, like reset the quarterback clock. And I'm like, bleep the clock. Let's go with the human beings. Um, but that's just me. Uh, but again, uh, that's, I, but yeah, I have no rooting interest. This is just there's no this is my informed in opinion about what they are going to do. That's, that's always been my thing is this is what I think they're going to do. This is what I think they should do based on who I'm talking to around the league. Uh, it's never just my sole opinion. It's always an amalgamation of opinions of things that I'm hearing, people that I talk to, all of that. Yeah. And when you sit there and you have these conversations, you go to games. Uh, I was at the Bears <laughs> game with you uh, at SoFi, <laughs> and I've been to a couple of games at SoFi. Like you will talk to people and they'll be like, oh, this is what I should do. Actually, it's, it's funny how many people come up to me and ask me what's going on. I'm like, I'm the wrong person to ask. I, <laughs> I legit, my, my sources are out. I got, actually, I got one Chicago source, uh, but it's usually outside of it. And, uh, and I'm also so, sort of a fanboy, So don't always take my word for it. <laughs> although I, I will put that out there. And there was one of Nagler's, one of Nagler's followers was like, oh, Rank's just super serious about all of his stuff. I'm like, you could not be further from the truth. Like you think like I get, I must do a great job of convincing people. I must, it's like when people thought Colbert was so, you know, conservative when he was doing that show. Right. On right. Like <laughs> I, he was an actual Republican. <laughs> I like, I mean, obviously I'm a bears fan and I'm doing it, but I'm like, don't take like, I'm not super serious about a lot of this stuff. I take it with a grain of salt. <laughs> I'm having a good time. 
Uh, I do want the Bears to be successful, and I'm rooting for the Bears, and I love Justin Fields, but I know that I'm also an idiot, so I get it. Like I'm, I'm well aware. I'm very aware of who I am. So, Nagler's fan. Uh, but in any event, listen. Uh, thank you so much for coming on with us once again. It's going to be a great weekend of football. We appreciate you being here. Congratulations. You're right. I was wrong. Uh, you're very smart. I'm a dope. We get that. <laughs> but I want to thank you for being here. Uh, we'll look forward to you being in Dallas this weekend and want to hear all about it. We want to hear all about the great food. Don't go to Whataburger because it sucks. And uh, I don't like Whataburger. Oh, it's, it's so overrated. I don't get it. Oh, you live in California. Sorry. You got in and out. You don't need to do that. So you're all good. Uh, but have a great weekend. Uh, we'll see you soon. And uh, for, for Chase, for Carmen, I'm Adam. Bear down. And uh, Sammy, go ahead and play us out. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Adam Rank on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. Brought to you by Underdog Fantasy.